Hello and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 165. I am your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is my co-host and nemesis, Pete Mashad. That'll do, Hoff. That'll do. We are back once again to talk about what's going on in the world of Nintendo, and a lot of that is going to be based off of last week's Nintendo Direct. We'll be talking all about Nintendo's expanded 2019 lineup, but we're also going to have some news, we're also going to have some game impressions, and that's how we're going to kick things off this week, by talking about a new release that just came out a couple of days ago. You've been hankering for this one, huh? Yes, Pete, indeed I have. The game in question is Steins Gate Elite, and I've been a big fan of the Steins Gate series for many years, ever since 999 creator Kotaro Uchikoshi told me it was one of his favorite games, and that sort of intrigued me about it, and I got into the anime, and I got into the games, and I have enjoyed them quite a bit. So I was very much looking forward to this version that's arrived on Switch, even though I was very familiar with the property already. But I have to say, I really wasn't quite ready for what we got here with this Elite version of the game. The production values are really amazing. I mean, this really blew me away. I mean, I figured it was going to be just the game I was already familiar with, with a few anime cutscenes thrown in. But really, they have taken this to the next level. I mean, I know it is all material repurposed from the anime, but it goes a really long way towards the visual appeal of the game. I mean, the visual novels themselves, I mean, most visual novels are like this. You know, they just have these static backgrounds with static character portraits, and that's sort of the tradition. But with this version of the game, there is just animation everywhere. Lots of different camera angles and varied artwork, and everything is fluid and moving, and there's tons and tons of voiceover, and it just really blew me away. I mean, I thought we were going to get something good, but it was even better than I expected. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I was you know, suitably impressed. Now, one note about those voices is that they are all in Japanese. Despite the anime having a fantastic English dub, it is not used. But even so, you know, all the stuff that's in here is you know, really, really impressive. So this really does end up pretty much being literally an interactive cartoon. Now, I know this game came out on a couple different consoles. Is it worth it on Switch? Oh, yeah, definitely. This, I would say, is absolutely the best version of the game. Like I said, everything has just been taken to the next level of this one. And that's on top of what was already a really great story. And, you know, the plot focuses on these college-age students who live in Akihabara, and they sort of accidentally discover a way to send messages through time. It's really interesting. It has a lot of cool twists. The characters are really intriguing, and you get really involved with them. And then the plot goes in some very surprising directions. So it's got all that combined with the improved visuals, and it just turns out better than ever. Also, the previous versions of the game that I have experienced on PlayStation 3 and Vita had these janky line breaks at times, like it would line break on apostrophes. And so far, <laughs> none of that's there. All that seems to be fixed. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a little maddening. Yeah, I'm really glad that appears to be cleaned up. I mean, I haven't played that much of the game yet, but, you know, so far, so good. Another thing is that, you know, having just been to Akihabara a couple months ago, I was able to play this, and I recognize all of the landmarks and all the geography, and that makes it even better. But you know, even if you haven't ever been to Akihabara or Japan, you know, there's still a ton to appreciate here. I was going to say, come on, show off. <laughs> In addition to just the main game, this version on Switch also includes a download code for sort of an 8-bit demake, which is a top-down adventure game <laughs> where you explore Akihabara, you find items, you solve puzzles, you talk to NPCs, and it's actually a lot less linear than the main Steins Gate Elite game. And it is definitely cool. It really adheres well to the 8-bit aesthetic. The one drawback to it is that it does not have a save function. Ooh. 
That's not good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I appreciate them wanting to be totally old school and make it very 8-bit, but come on. I mean, even back in the days of the NES, there were still games that had save capabilities. So, I mean, maybe if they put in a password or something, that would have been appropriately old school, but no save at all, that's just annoying. It's like, you know, when am I going to be able to find time to actually sit down and play this thing all the way through? I'll find it sometime. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it hasn't happened yet. It is just a little bit irritating. I was going to say, just let me know when you do. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this whole package was just way better than I was expecting. I knew it would be good, but I'm really, really blown away. Ah, it sounds cool. You're actually making me want to pick this game up. Well, you should. If you have not experienced Steins Gate, I would say this is absolutely the best way to do it. I mean, at $60, it might be kind of a hard sell for some people. I mean, it is just a lot of talking and a lot of text, and I have a feeling that eventually it's going to go down in price, so you might want to wait for a sale where it's only $40 or $30. And I kind of hate to say that because it is so darn good, but I know there will be price drops in the future, and that kind of does seem like a little bit more of an appropriate price. But once it does, you have absolutely no excuse. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely never played a visual novel before, but uh, this one seems like could be a winner. Yeah, I mean, this is a great place to start. And like I said, most visual novels don't have nearly this amount of uh, visual appeal. So, yeah, it's a really excellent game. In fact, you know, it was so excellent, I decided to go all out and pick up the limited edition of the game. Holy smokes. Yeah, I got the physical version that also comes with this hardbound book containing all the storyboards for the making of the game. However, it's not translated. So all you get are these tiny thumbnail sketches and then this unreadable Japanese text, you know, assuming you don't know Japanese. So I'm kind of feeling ripped off with this limited edition. I pay the (laughs) extra money. It's like this book. I don't know. There's just not really enough there. It does come with a cloth poster, and that's pretty nice. But overall, I would say it is absolutely not worth the extra money for the limited edition. I don't quite remember the last time I felt so ripped off picking up a limited version of a game. Yikes. That aside, you know, just the plain version, the regular version, I could not be more happy with. I'm very excited, and I know I keep saying this, but it's head and shoulders above even what I was expecting. Well, thanks for taking one for the team on that uh, special edition version. Well, I mean... You know, they've hooked me, you know, hook, lion, seeker. They got me with the Steins Gate stuff. So I really have no one to blame but myself <laughs> for going all out on it. But yeah, hopefully the next time they do a limited edition, they'll make something a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on from there, there have also been some other new releases that we have been playing recently. Some of them, which were just announced last week in the direct. And one of those is Tetris 99. Yeah, this game pretty much just came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, that's right. They had not talked about it before. They announced it during the Direct last week, and then it was out and available to play. And what it is, is 99-player Tetris. Yes. (laughs) You get it for free when you are subscribed to Nintendo Switch Online, and it's basically a Tetris Battle Royale. Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, I was thinking about this. It's like, honestly, this is a game that no one wanted, or no one knew they wanted. Right. And it just kind of fell in our laps, and uh, it's kind of making a big impression on a lot of people. Yeah, it's making quite the splash, especially in people who don't normally want to play Battle Royale games, aren't really into shooters and stuff like that. This is a way to engage in one versus 100 multiplayer, more or less, in a completely different way. Yeah, it really is. And as you mentioned, I think it is a game that's definitely for everyone, a lot more so than even like a Fortnite or um, you know some of these other PUBG type games. Yeah, 
I mean, it's Tetris. Everybody loves Tetris. Who doesn't love Tetris? Yeah, when you're playing it, you literally don't feel like you're playing it online. I mean, you kind of do, but you can absolutely just play it like you're playing Tetris. And of course, you might get garbage from nowhere. But <laughs> in, in general, <laughs> yeah. you're just playing Tetris. Yeah, yeah. And that is exactly what happened to me. You know, I'd be playing along. I'd be having a good time. I'd be doing pretty well for myself or so I thought. And then all of a sudden, I'd be like blasted by 18 people simultaneously. And my screen would like fill up to the top. It's like, okay, game over. I'm like, darn, I thought I was doing well this time. Uh, what's your experience been like? Yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty mixed bag. I feel like I've held my own and at least gotten to like the top 50 most of the time. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, like something will happen where it's just like a catastrophe and I just get taken out in the first like, I don't know, five minutes. Mm -hmm. I've had a few games where I've gotten in the top 10 and that's been pretty cool. It's a really intense feeling when you get to like the bitter end and you know that like the clock's ticking and you hear the classic Tetris music just getting like super intensified. <laughs> And then for me, at least, I noticed that, like, I just don't blink. I'm, like, <laughs> super entranced in the game. Like, oh, my God. Well, Tetris will do that, too. Yeah. yeah, as, like, an hour or two flies by just playing it. Yeah, it's definitely very solid. I mean, if there's any knock against the game, it's that there really is, you know, almost nothing to it. It's very bare bones. There's just one mode. You jump in, you start playing. And right now, that's everything. Yeah. I mean, I think my big knock would be that, they don't really explain a lot. There are some things going on in the background that, you know, you don't even realize that, like, necessarily. I mean, if you were just jumping into this for the first time, you don't really know that those other Tetris boards that are going on in the background are other players. I guess. But, I mean, that's sort of the point, is that you can just sort of enjoy it by, you know, playing it at your own pace and you just sort of succeed by doing well at the game. Right. But then there's also that ability to like kind of direct where you're dropping your garbage and Right, right. And you know that I didn't try doing that at all. It would just be nice if there was like a tiny bit of a, a tutorial that just kind of pointed out at some basics. Yeah, I mean, when I first started playing, I thought, well, maybe it'll give you a little practice time to play the game. <laughs> you know, you're warming up while it you know gets the other players going, but no, it doesn't have anything like that. <laughs> yeah, immediately just thrown to the wolves. Yes, yes, indeed. It is definitely not for Tetris newbies. No. I'll also say playing on a pro controller, it's a little bit of a bummer because I will say the D-pad just isn't quite precise enough. There's times where I definitely accidentally drop a piece really quickly and I don't mean to. And mm, uh, I've heard that from other people too. Yeah, and it's kind of unfortunate. So it makes you want to play with the Joy-Con or... I actually really like playing it with the NES controller. Oh, I can see that. But the bummer is when you're playing with the NES controller, you can't direct where your garbage goes. So ah. I would love for them to like introduce something where you can somehow with the NES controller still direct your garbage. Well, I have a feeling that there will be many, many updates coming to this tile down the line. I think there are going to be more modes and other features and all kinds of stuff. But I mean, for a free game that you get for just subscribing to Nintendo Switch Online, I think it's pretty darn cool. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, as you said, it's a good game to uh, bring in people who are totally non-gamers or maybe otherwise not that interested in Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I mean, I have a feeling that whenever I get wiped out by someone, it's probably like, you know, my great aunt or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. I could see that. However, if I ever decide I want to play some Tetris without, you know, having, you know, 18 garbage blocks dropped on me all at once... You know, maybe I'll just, you know, stick to playing the Game Boy version or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what's fun about this is that you know there's still like, you know, 400 other versions of Tetris you can go play if you don't like this That's version. right, that's right. But for free, it's not so bad. Yep, absolutely. Now, another playable game that dropped around the time of the Nintendo Direct was this demo for Yoshi's Crafted World. And I've been enjoying that as well. 
Yeah, this one kind of snuck up on me. I know it dropped during the direct. I didn't get to watch the direct right away, so I watched it later. And yeah, I just kind of all of a sudden realized, holy crud, there's a demo available of Yoshi. So better go check that out. Yep, there is. I mean, it's basically just a one-level demo, and I found it to be very peaceful and relaxing and sort of casual so far. Yeah, and I'll add to that that I think that it also feels, you know, very charming, much like a Kirby's Epic Yarn or something like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot like Kirby's Epic Yarn, and the aesthetic is really, really neat. I mean, I would compare it, I think, more to Paper Mario Color Splash, which is, again, really no surprise. If we've seen the trailers, we've seen the preview materials, we kind of knew what this game was going to be all about, and it very much is living up to expectations. I guess the one thing that kind of surprises me is that you can choose between Mellow Mode and Classic Mode, and I've only played Classic Mode, and even that seems like super, super mellow. So, like, what the heck could Mellow Mode be? I mean, I feel like that's just going to lull me to sleep or something like that. But then again, it is only the first level, so... I'm sure there's a lot more we're going to see later on. Yeah, I think the soundtrack becomes like Grateful Dead and, uh, you know, a tie-dye t-shirt pops out and you just get to get really mellow. Is that how it is? (laughs) I'm not quite sure that's the case. I'm messing. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of what you'd expect from a Yoshi game. You can flutter jump, you can throw eggs, but the way you throw eggs, I think, is a little bit different than how it's been in the past. I mean, you have completely free aim with those eggs, and you can throw them into the foreground or into the background. Of course, you can also consume enemies, and there's lots of stuff to collect and lots of enemies to consume. Yeah, for the most part, the mechanics aren't surprising at all. You know, you have that option of being able to chuck, you know, enemies that you swallow or eggs that you get out of the block. I think what is different is that mechanic, as you mentioned, being able to shoot things in the foreground and the background. And it actually does come as a shock kind of as you play, like when they kind of tell you you can do that. I didn't pick it up right away, and then I read an instruction block that told me I could do that. So I actually think it's a pretty interesting mechanic when you see it, and then it kind of makes you really want to check out the background and see what's going on. Yeah, and the game certainly gives you ample opportunity to do that. After you go through the level the first time, then you get to go back through it and look at the backside of everything, and not only does it let you see the level in a new way, but then you're trying to hunt down these poochies that have escaped. So that's kind of a fun way to do it. And then, even after you've gone and done that, you can play the level one more time, you try to hunt down these cows that are in the (laughs) stages, and you do that by throwing the eggs into the foreground and the background. So it seems like there's plenty of content in each stage. Yeah, I feel like if you're into that kind of thing, you know, like making sure you complete every level, I think that there's going to be a ton here. And just this, you know, early demo stage shows you, yeah, there's like at least like three or four like accomplishments you're trying to make just on your first pass. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, as you mentioned, yeah, there's the ability to go back through the level and try to collect these poochies. And then lastly, also, you know, find these hidden cows. (laughs) And all of those things add up to, you know, it, it just feels like a complete package in that one level so i can only imagine what the entire game feels like yeah i mean we know there's going to be way more than that even though this first level seemed pretty basic and very very calm we know there's all kinds of cool stuff coming later like that you know paper yoshi robot and that desert level where you're chased by a big skeleton and lots of more complicated platforming challenges and appearances by all kinds of mario enemies like koopas and i think you know is it bowser jr is it baby bowser anyway they're all in there Uh, lots more complicated levels lots more things to interact with 
And uh, there's even going to be amiibo functionality too. You'll be able to unlock various costumes based on a lot of the amiibo. So yeah, it seems like it's going to be chock full of good things. Amiibo! <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I mean, I will say more than anything, this game probably pushed me closer to on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily a game I would buy right off the bat, but having seen it and played it and kind of, you know, experiencing it a little bit and then watching the trailer that came out with it, I actually am getting close to wanting to buy this game especially i love like the look of that giant skeleton you mentioned and some of the more uh crazy parts the game looks so pretty you kind of want to see what that all looks like on your screen yeah i'm very very intrigued but you know we have more than a full month to make our final decision the game comes out on march 29th and should we so desire we can pick it up then yeah it's gonna be here before we know it very true now, speaking of demos of upcoming games, Damon X Machina Prototype Missions is out now and available to play. Yeah, what'd you think of my uh, character I created? Ah, uh, with the uh, not-quite-so-bushy beard? <laughs> mm, I don't know, I feel like there could have been more facial hair options, and I feel like maybe your haircut wasn't quite as unruly as it is in real life. <laughs> but, I mean, you did, you did okay for yourself, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, you have a bunch of customization options in this game. First, you create the Outer, who is the pilot of the mech and you get to choose the gender and the face and the scars and the hair and the skin color and even the eyebrow angle and you can even give yourself a sweet mustache if you want (laughs) uh don't you have a sweet mustache no i don't think anyone in real life has a mustache that's that sweet but for the game i made a girl with purple pigtails (laughs) nice Uh, And then on top of that, you get to customize your mech, or arsenal as it's known in the game. You can change the colors, and there's going to be all kinds of weapons you can select as well. Not that I've had that much of a chance to test them all out in the game, but I know they're all in there. Plus, you can select various paint schemes and things like that. So, yeah, customization is going to be a key element of this game. But I think even more important than that is the action, which is something that we have finally gotten to experience for the first time. Going out there in these arsenals and battling other mechs and tanks and various AI enemies. So what did you think of the gameplay? So far, I gotta say, I'm kind of on the fence. Oh yeah? I really like the visuals. The gameplay itself, though, was maybe just a little bit uh, lacking, and I don't know why that was. I think maybe what I noticed more than anything is that there was just like kind of this big space in between enemies that you're fighting, and it doesn't feel quite as action-packed as I was thinking it was going to. Something like a, I don't want to say sin and punishment, but something akin to that. I guess I was also expecting it to be a little bit faster paced. I mean, you know, it's definitely faster than stuff like Armored Core, where some of the dev team has come from. But I was thinking it was going to be something like Zone of the Enders, where you're like dashing around from one enemy to the next and doing melee combat and then shooting enemies from afar and just really moving around really rapidly. And so it's not like that. It's much more methodical than I was expecting. And like you were alluding to, the enemies I thought were a little bit hard to see. But then again, I've actually only played the first two missions in the demo, so I don't know. Maybe as things start to ramp up, maybe it will get faster, maybe there will be more interesting methods of combat i know there are melee weapons in there even though i haven't had a chance to test them out myself yet yeah same i think my favorite moment came when i like picked up a tank and threw it at another tank oh yeah yeah being able to pick up items and throw them that's definitely cool i haven't done uh, too much of that you know i went after some enemies with i think a a giant uh, telephone pole or a light post or something (laughs) like that Uh, I did really like it, though, at the end of that second mission when those giant mechs came out. It's like, oh, man, what the heck do I do with these things? And 
as far as I can tell, you know, I couldn't really do anything at that point. Like, I was just watching them come through and sort of destroy the town. Then I got a cutscene of some other guys taking them out. But, you know, once you're able to really get in there and do that yourself, I think the game could be pretty fun. But, yeah, I feel like it also just didn't give the best impression right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, I am totally still giving this one the benefit of the doubt because I really do want to like this one. But I think that's right. I think the demo itself kind of doesn't do itself a ton of favors to uh, just make it seem like what the game is going to feel like, you know, when you get towards the middle to the end. Well, I've still got a few more missions to try out, and I would like to experiment more with the various capabilities. I see that there are different ratings for your mech in durability and firepower and ammunition and mobility, and then you can also augment your outer with various skills. Like, I haven't even tried getting out of the arsenal during combat, but I know you can do that. So I'm really looking forward to experimenting with all this game has to offer, and it could be, you know, a lot cooler than we really expect so far. Yeah, and the visuals really do shine. I think it is one of the prettier games I've seen on Switch. Hmm. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but I do find it visually appealing. So, you know, I'm with you somewhat. All right. I'll take it, Nemi. Okay. Uh, In addition to those, I've also been enjoying some of the new releases for Nintendo Switch Online's NES game selection. Oh, yeah, there's some doozies this time. Yeah, one of my all-time favorite NES games, Super Mario Bros. 2, is out now. Yeah, I jumped into that one. It still holds up. Yes, yes it does. I mean, I kind of feel like that was a huge omission from the current lineup. And now that that's there, now that Zelda 2 is there, I feel like we have a really, really robust lineup of NES games. But yeah, Super Mario Bros. 2 is still really, really fun. I just love that grabbing mechanic, and I love the look of the game, and I love the diverse characters, and so I've been having a great time with that. I haven't quite finished it yet, but I am currently on level 5-2. I plan to be going through that soon. Nice. Who's your uh, main? Oh, I don't know. I kind of tend to mix it up. I almost never use Mario. So I kind of <laughs> feel like one of these days I'm just going to sit down and like do a complete 20-level playthrough with only Mario. But <laughs> right now, you know, I've been mixing it up. I used Luigi on the last level. I used Toad the level before that. I'm going to pick the princess for this level. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Do you have a main? Yeah, I got to say, I go with Toad mainly. And, uh, you know, I don't even know why other than that it's Toad and... He's like my favorite character in the Nintendo universe. Well, he is good for picking up those coins, that's for sure. Yeah, he's really quick at it. I, I almost forgot until I saw somebody playing Princess. But he's also you know, really challenging to use in some of the levels, like especially the one that I'm in. I just cleared that level with the waterfall where you have to jump on top of you know the trouders, the fish that pop up. Oh, that's yeah. the only way across. Yeah, I'll bet it's uh, kind of tough with him. I don't know if I've ever played through that level with him. Yeah, he's kind of a shorty. (laughs) But what I do like about that game and what I think is actually kind of pioneering of it is the fact that in between levels, you can like just pick a new character. Yeah, that is certainly a great feature. Yeah, lots of cool stuff about that game. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. And I was like, wow, that is a really cool feature that, you know, a lot of games even now don't use. Mm -hmm. It's true. Smash Brothers. In addition to that one, Kirby's Adventure is also out. I've never been like a huge fan of Kirby's Adventure on the NES, but it's definitely a good game. One thing I kind of forgot about is how easily you lose your power-up if you get hit. I mean, usually you just take like one hit. It's like, oh, that power-up is gone. You have to look for another power-up. Whereas in some of the newer games, it's like once you get a power-up, you can kind of keep that for as long as you want. So it is kind of nice to sort of go back to those old ones and it's like, I'm just going to use this power-up as best I can for as long as I can until I just take that hit and I no longer can use it. Yeah, I think I played Kirby a lot later in life than most folks. But yeah, I do love just the simple gameplay mechanics. And, you know, a lot of the uh, character design and level design is great. I am glad that it's part of the Nintendo collection. Yeah, it's definitely one of Nintendo's flagship characters and a worthy addition to the lineup. 
And then from there, we got two new additions to the SP lineup. There is a new Metroid SP. <laughs> We've already had one Metroid SP, but now there's the second Metroid SP. And then a Blaster Master SP. Have you tried either of these? I have not. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I played both of them. And uh, this Metroid one starts you right at the last area at Turian. So you get to go in there and fight your way through basically the last gauntlet. You have to fight off all of the Metroids, and then you get to go through the area where Mother Brain resides, and then after that, it's escape, and you get to see the ending to the game. And, uh, you know, getting past the Metroids was easier than I remember. Getting through Mother Brain's gauntlet was actually harder than I remember. <laughs> Man, you take a lot of damage in that area. Yeah, I've heard similar anecdotes from a friend. So, yeah, I haven't actually you know, completed the game using that version yet, but, uh, you know, I got pretty close, pretty close. And then as for Blaster Master, I've never gotten anywhere near the final area in that game. So, you know, I just experimented with that a little bit, drove around, tried out some new abilities with Sophia the Third, your uh, battle vehicle that I'd never really gotten to try before. And yeah, it's definitely tough. It'll take some practice before I figure out what the heck I'm doing in there. And because it is such a nonlinear game, it's like, oh man, I'm totally lost. I have no idea where to go in this game. But, uh, you know, it's cool that I can see stuff I've never gotten to see before. So, yeah, definitely nice. Yeah, it's really cool. These SP versions kind of allow you to uh, go much further than at least I went when I was a child. Yeah, in a lot of cases, absolutely. And then, you know, if you have a Japanese account on your Switch, there are also two new releases for the Famicom classics that have not been released for North America. I mean, you don't need to pay anything extra. You don't need a second Nintendo Switch Online account or anything like that. But if you just set up a Japanese account, you can also have access to Joy Mech Fight, which came out last month, as well as Tsupari Ozumo. Oh, and did you check these both out? I did. Joy Mech Fight is basically a one-on-one fighting game. And have you encountered Sukapon in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate? He's an assist trophy, and he's also a spirit. I found his spirit battle to be... Probably the most difficult one I've encountered so far, but he's this little pink guy that sort of moves across the screen and just beats the crap out of you. <laughs> anyway, that's the game he's from. And uh, this fighting game was never released in North America, but you know, now you can check it out through Nintendo Switch Online. And uh, Tsupari Uzumo is a sumo wrestling game. I don't really know what I was doing in that one, but I was able to, you know, fight my way through a few bouts successfully and toss the other guy out of the ring. But uh, I really have no idea what the controls are, or what I'm doing, so... Uh, you know, it might take a little bit more practice before I'm good at that one. Uh, but Joy Mech Fight is very, very intuitive. You know, it has a lot of, you know, charge back, move forward kind of attacks. You know, punch button, a kick button. And uh, it's easy to pick up, I think, even if you have no idea what the game is about. I think it's uh, kind of worth checking out if you're interested in that part of Nintendo's history. Yeah, I've watched some videos online. It's really interesting because, yeah, you only see the, uh, you know, like the hands and feet and head of the fighters. Yeah, all the characters kind of look like Rayman. Yeah, exactly. But it's funny because you end up kind of drawing in the rest of the body itself, you know, as you watch kind of the animation. Hmm. I didn't really get that feeling myself, but yeah, it's certainly a very interesting game. And then, on top of all of these new release games I've been playing, I've also been enjoying my new Amiibo. Amiibo! Oh, do tell. What have you picked up recently? Well, last week we finally got the releases of King K. Rule, Piranha Plant, and the Ice Climbers. Ah, that's some pretty good pickings. Yeah, and of course these are all from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and as usual, they all look fantastic. I think of these three, the Ice Climbers are my favorite. You know, I always love the amiibo that kind of look like little diorama scenes, and this is no different. It's got like this little chunk of ice coming out of the base, 
And then, of course, has both characters, Nana and Popo. And they're sort of jumping off of the ice. And they just have a really dynamic pose and lots of cool details. Like, I really love the wood texture on their hammers, as well as the cleats on the bottom of their boots. So that one turned out really, really nice. I mean, the Ice Climbers aren't like my favorite characters or anything like that, but this amiibo is really great. Cool. Probably the next one on my list would be King K. Rule. And, you know, I kind of wish he was bigger. He just seems a little small compared to, you know, his in-game persona. But he has, you know, a really great scaly texture covering his entire body. You know, he's got his crazy-looking bloodshot eye. <laughs> and they paid a lot of attention to the textures on the characters. Like, his back, I think, is really, really detailed, even though it's covered up by this cape and you can't even see it. But they, you know, that didn't stop them. They still went all out with the details. Yeah, you'd think he would be a fairly big amiibo. Yeah, I mean, he's not small or anything, but uh, I still would expect him to be just a little bit larger, you know, maybe another half inch taller or something like that. Even so, you know, it's not bad. And then we have the Piranha Plant, which, you know, is not a character anyone was super excited about. I think it'll fit in better with my Super Mario series amiibo than my Smash amiibo. But, you know, even so, it has some really cool details. I mean, it's very basic in a lot of ways, but you know, even here, you know, where they could, they put in you know, lots of really neat stuff. Like, there's just some really authentic textures on the flower pot that he's in, and even the dirt in the pot. So, even though, in a lot of ways, you know, he's a pretty simple amiibo, they really went all out where they could. That's pretty cool. So, once again, I'm happy with all these purchases, and I think they are great additions to my amiibo collection. You love all your additions to your amiibo collection. For the most part, there's occasional ones that I have issues with, but uh, yeah, I'm usually pretty happy with these things, and uh, this is you know not an exception to that rule. Well, you're making Uncle Amiibo proud. <laughs> I hope so. That takes care of our impressions for this week, so why don't we get into a little bit of news? We'll be talking about all the direct stuff in a bit, but believe it or not, there are actually a few other things to discuss. Oh yeah? What do you got? Lay it on me. Well... Unfortunately, the folks over at Yacht Club Games have announced a delay in the next update for Shovel Knight. No! Yeah, that's right. Shovel Knight Showdown, Shovel Knight King of Cards, and the Shovel Knight Amiibo were all supposed to be out in April. But now they have been delayed to an indeterminate time. They are saying by several months. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, so there's not even a firm release date yet, but, you know, does that mean sometime in summer? Does that mean sometime in fall? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, everything's been pushed back again. It's kind of a bummer, considering that this whole thing has been delayed by, like, a full year from when it was supposed to originally be out. But we know that in the end, the delay will be worth it, and we're going to be getting a great product. Yeah, I can kind of give these guys a pass, you know. They've proven themselves time and time again that, you know, their releases are worth waiting for. And let's be honest, we all have enough Switch games to play right now. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. It's not like there's any lack of other things for me to be playing on my Switch. So I guess in the end, I really don't mind. Still, would have been nice if it had hit that release date, huh? Yeah, no kidding. Then the other bit of news I wanted to hit on was that last week in New York, they had the annual Toy Fair. Oh, they did? Where was I? (laughs) Yeah, why didn't you go? (laughs) You could have attended for Power Pros. (laughs) The -the on-the-street correspondent? (laughs) Yes, exactly. As you'd expect, there were lots of toys on display, and that did include a few based on video games. In fact, there were a lot based on video games, more than I'm going to get into here, but I just wanted to call out a couple that in particular caught my eye. Of course there's new Mario toys. Of course there's new Sonic. 
There's even a Bowser's Castle playset from Jack Specific. But what really stood out to me is that we're getting some Castlevania toys based on the Netflix series. Oh, wow. Yeah, they are coming from Diamond Select Toys. And there are going to be not only uh, you know high-end statues, but also articulated action figures of Trevor Belmont, Alucard, and Saifa Belnades. Now, I saw you post these on Twitter. They actually do look pretty cool. I mean, I kind of like some of them. I like Trevor. I like Saifa. I think the Alucard kind of looks like a hobo. <laughs> uh, you say that about everybody. <laughs> I mean, he kind of dresses like a hobo in the cartoon, so I guess it is fairly accurate. But compared to how he looks in some of the video games, like in Symphony of the Night, it's like, oh man, I wish he had his full you know, regal attire that he had in that game. Also, I'm really surprised there's no Dracula figure yet, considering what a prominent role he plays in the series. And like the whole first episode is like all about him. Yeah, maybe they'll see how these sell and then they'll make an awesome Dracula one. Yeah, I mean, I've got to figure he's either in the works or they're just waiting for something like that. Maybe it's a series two. But yeah, it seems very, very likely that we will be getting a Dracula eventually. Anyways, it is cool to see these getting some love, right? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, here we are in, you know, 2019, more than 30 years after Castlevania first made a splash and we're getting action figures of it. But uh, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, and it's like action figures of the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Which is crazy. super weird, but uh, I'll take it. Yeah, and then speaking of games I never thought would be turned into action figure form, the folks at Storm Collectibles have announced a figure based on Sega's Golden Axe. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure this is just a mislabeled He-Man action figure. <laughs> Well, I mean, they are both barbarians, so I can see the confusion, but no, it is actually Axe Battler from Golden Axe. Wow. And, I mean, I think it would have made more sense to start with Tyrus Flare or Gilius Thunderhead, the dwarf, because they're a little bit more unique and kind of, you know, really stand on their own. Like you said, it's kind of a generic He-Man-looking guy, but, I mean, you know, I love Golden Axe, so I will take any action figures they make for it. I am just shocked that we are getting anything like this so many years after that game's release. I mean, the game is still out there. You know, it's there in that Sega Genesis collection that just came out on Switch not too long ago. So, you know, the game does still have some prominence, but uh, still, never would have expected this. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, you know, Axe Battler must have had really mean parents to name him that. Hey, don't talk badly about the dearly departed. I hope you know his mother was killed by death equals adder. Oh, wow. <laughs> I did not know that. In addition, if these are coming out, the really what I would love to see is some mounts to put them on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, if this takes off, if they do figures of all the other characters and then they put like the chicken walker dude and the dragons from the ride on. Oh, yeah, that would blow me away. I would buy all <laughs> those for sure. And then lastly, I really want to see those little, you know, little gnomes that come out and steal your crap. Oh, yeah, yeah, the the dwarf guys that uh, they kind of look like you, really. Hey, <laughs> but yeah, you have to, like, kick them to get your money back. Yep, they steal your magic and give you the meat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to see them so I can, like, pose a little uh, scene on my desk. Yeah, then people would think, it's like, why is there a miniature pee on my desk? I'd be really confused. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I love that idea. I'm all in on that. All right. Make it happen, Sega. Storm Collectibles also announced they're doing some Darkstalkers figures. Even though those characters have never really been very prominent on Nintendo systems, I'm very excited for that and can't wait to throw my money at them for those. And you must be made of money. Don't I wish. <laughs> Just got to take out another loan, I guess. <laughs> of course, we'll have more news to discuss that came out of last week's Nintendo Direct in a little bit. But before we do that, why don't we answer a little bit of listener mail? This first letter comes from listener Brian Booth, and he writes, 
Wow, a lot of news dropped in that direct, huh? It seems like Nintendo has something coming for almost everyone. And how about that Labo VR rumor? I have to say, I'm most excited about Fire Emblem Three Houses, Dragon Quest XI, The Link's Awakening Remake, and of course, Mario Maker 2. How about them slopes? But we all know that Nintendo is amazing and does lots of wonderful stuff. I have to say, I loved your episode talking about the Big N's biggest blunders. I kept thinking of things I had mentioned, the botched Sony deal, the 3DS rollout, if you missed them, but of course you hit all the high notes. It reminded me of when you covered the best and worst Nintendo controllers, but have you ever hit on the best and worst peripherals that the company has made? All the great ones, like the classic Zapper and the Labo kits, are balanced out by some less than stellar ones. My personal favorites to hate on are the Power Glove, the Super Scope 6, and, most of all, the microphone that came with Hey You Pikachu on the N64. <laughs> what about you guys? Any fun memories of bad Nintendo gear? Well, Chris, what do you think? You got any uh, bad Nintendo gear you want to talk about? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to apologize for Brian that we had to cut his letter down for space. But uh, to answer his question, you know, we actually did do an NES Peripherals big topic back in episode 112, but it wasn't a overall best and worst peripherals feature. Um, you know, Sadly, I still have not played much of Labo myself, and I've actually never used a Super Scope, believe it or not. I do agree with him that the Power Glove is atrocious, but that's not really Nintendo's fault since it was made by Mattel. But yeah, really, unfortunately, I don't have that many memories of time with bad Nintendo gear. I mean, I own an e-card reader, but I'm not sure I've ever even used it. And I've used the Power Pad, <laughs> but I don't really remember it very much. I might have even used Konami's laser scope once, which is like a zapper you wear on your head and it's controlled by voice. But in general, yeah, I don't have many good stories to tell. Sorry. You? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. You know, there was a Pokemon mini device that came out. It was a uh, sort of a little handheld portable game system. Have you ever played that, Chris? Uh, I don't remember. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it has uh, interchangeable cartridges. It basically has a little D-pad and two buttons on it. Okay, no, I probably never played that one then. And believe it or not, it actually did have some good games on it, but holding that thing or playing it for any amount of time was kind of a painful thing if your hands were, like, anywhere bigger than a child. Uh, I see, I see. Another one that kind of just comes to mind, I think, like you said, you know, Nintendo, mainly, it's just stuff that doesn't get maybe utilized the way you want it to. Mm -hmm. So maybe something like We Speak. The microphone that came out for Wii that only like <laughs> used like you know, maybe like two games or something. Yeah, that was very underutilized. But by and large, not too many to complain about. Yeah, understandable. That seems pretty fair to me. Our next letter comes from listener Logan, who writes, Hey guys, I have another question for you, and this is a good one. If you could choose a game that died out in the early days and make an HD sequel on Switch, what would it be? Oh man, he's just lobbing a softball over the plate. <laughs> I suppose so. Chris. I mean, the obvious answer for me would be Pro Wrestling 2, of course. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Maybe I want to go with Bad Dudes. I've always wanted to see a Bad Dudes sequel. <laughs> or maybe Shadow of the Ninja. That is a very underappreciated game. That I mean, you know, when it comes to ninja games, Ninja Gaiden gets all the love. No one ever talks about Shadow of the Ninja. I would love to see Shadow of the Ninja make a comeback. But it's true. Ultimately, I would still have to give it to Pro Wrestling 2. So what about you, Pete? Well, I'm with you. I think I've got to give it to pro wrestling. It's just begging for a sequel. It really is. I have tons of ideas. I would love to be involved with that if ever such a thing were to happen. Sadly, it probably never will, <laughs> but you can always keep on hope. Yeah. On top of that, I think if I had to include a couple more, if I'm going really obscure, I would actually go with Gumshoe. 
Oh, wow. Just because I feel like that could absolutely be uh, expanded upon. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I know Kid Icarus has had iterations since then, but yeah, I would love to see an HD sequel on the Switch. Okay, fair enough. Oh, by the way, Logan also writes, P.S., my predictions for what you said were Hoff, Pro Wrestling 2, Pete, Mega Man Soccer 2. Was I right? (laughs) Oh, man. I feel like I dropped the ball. (laughs) Well, one out of two ain't bad. (laughs) Maybe I kicked the ball. (laughs) Indeed. That takes care of the letters for this week. I believe now it is time for us to take an intermission. Uh, Wait a second there, muchacho. Oh, okay. I'm familiar enough with this now. This is where you're going to share some delicious dessert recipes? Uh, not a chance. Oh, okay. Then what's going on? This is time to hassle the huff. Oh, yeah, right. That was my next guess. (laughs) Okay, what do you have for me this week? All right. Video game professor Hoffman. Yes? If you could travel back in time and correct Mm. Nintendo from making a terrible decision, which one would you choose and why? Hmm, what would I do to stop Nintendo from making a terrible decision? Well, I mean, you know, just last week we were talking about the, you know, not-so-great decisions they had made, so I suppose it would have to be something involving one of those, right? Yeah, I mean, that's your call. You're the one with the uh, time machine that gets one use. I mean, when you think about it, and I know this because I've been playing Steins Gate recently, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen when you change the timeline. I mean, if you went back and had them, you know, continue their partnership with Sony or something, you know, who knows how things would end up in the present. You know, maybe there would have never been a Wii or there never would have been a Switch, and who knows what gaming would be like now. So I'm kind of loathe to suggest they change something so radically. I mean, Nintendo might not be where it is today if it hadn't learned from some of these mistakes. So I think the thing that I would do, I would probably have never had them send Nintendo Power out of house. Nintendo Power would still have stayed in-house. I would have still stayed working at Nintendo. You would have still stayed in Seattle, Pete. (laughs) And uh, Nintendo Power would still be going strong to this day. Wow, the ramifications are bonkers. (laughs) Yeah, for you and me especially. (laughs) So yeah, that's what I'm going with. I would keep Nintendo Power around... I would not have uh, had it, you know, get moved out to California and out to New York and stuff like that. And while it wouldn't affect, you know, the overall direction of the company and the industry, we wouldn't see radical changes there. It would keep around that would be a little publication. So maybe it's a little bit selfish, but that's what I'm going with. But maybe you and I would have killed each other by now, being true nemesis. Well, in the that's same probably blend. very, very true. We probably would have, but uh, I guess that's something that, well, at least one of us would have to live with. <laughs> All right. I accept that answer, and I also would have accepted that you would have gone back and prevented me from deleting your Final Fantasy save dead. <laughs> well, I probably should have thought of that. That's a very good call. <laughs> very good call indeed. Well, that wasn't Nintendo's mistake, but... Yeah. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> okay, well, now we shall definitely take our intermission, and then when we come back, we'll discuss this week's big topic which is Nintendo's 2019 Expanded Lineup.
All right, we are back, and we are ready to discuss this week's big topic, which is Nintendo's expanded 2019 lineup spinning out of last week's Nintendo Direct News. Yeah, spinning out of control, almost. <laughs> yeah, more or less. There was a ton of stuff in that Direct. It's like they've been just saving and saving and saving up all these announcements for months or something, and then they unleashed them all, and just this huge floodgate opened, not only with all these new announcements, but also game updates, these uh, sudden new releases that we already talked about earlier in the episode, just all kinds of stuff. And it's really, you know, changed the landscape of what we knew about what was coming throughout 2019. I mean, we already knew about a lot of great stuff on the way, but uh, man, they have really had even more stuff to be excited about for sure. Yeah, this Nintendo Direct was better than some E3s I've watched. <laughs> yes, that is completely true. Uh, I absolutely have to agree. So you kind of hope that, you know, they've got even more ammunition for uh, summer. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You think about this and you're like, if they're announcing all this now, what are they going to announce at E3? I mean, <laughs> we're kind of expecting, you know, our minds to just be completely blown at that point. So we'll see. We'll see if they can outdo this. But uh, yeah, we should just dive into it. And you know, there's probably, for me, nothing more exciting on this Nintendo Direct than the announcement of The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, or perhaps we could call it The Legend of Zelda Link's Reawakening. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes, this is a total remake of the 1993 Game Boy Classic, which I would say is probably one of my top five Zelda games of all time. Wow. This is where Link goes to Coland Island and he wakes up after a shipwreck. And yeah, he goes on this uh, weird, creative and charming adventure as he tries to wake the windfish to escape the island. Yeah, and a lot like Tetris 99, this game was a game that like completely came out of nowhere and was like, wow, I didn't know I wanted this at all, and I totally do want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I will take any excuse, really, to play Link's Awakening again. I've been thinking about that recently. I kind of wanted to just start playing the virtual console version on my 3DS, but, you know, maybe now I'll just hold out a few months longer and play this new version on Switch. And yeah, this is you know, totally not the old game. This is a completely remade version from a visual standpoint. The gameplay looks pretty similar to before, but, I mean, graphically, I mean, this is just nuts. It's, you know, very colorful, and it almost looks like claymation, you know? Yeah, I really am digging the art style. I think, you know, it's a huge departure from, like, you know, Breath of the Wild, but I think <laughs> yes, it, it, is. it does throw it back to kind of, you know, almost like the Link Between Worlds, kind of aesthetic but even more so because you know the switch gives them more opportunity to make it even look more stylized well it is very stylized and yeah it's like nothing we've seen before it's not like breath of the wild it's not like ocarina of time i mean it's not really like a link between worlds at all i would say i mean this is a very new and distinct look for the game and i mean it's not like wind waker either i mean wind waker obviously that look was very very controversial for looking so cartoony and this is even more cartoony me, personally, I am not totally 100% sold on it yet, but, you know, I'm sure I will get there eventually. And I know that the gameplay will make up for it no matter what. Yeah, I think to me, what I was shocked about most was that Link has changed styles again. Yes. You know, we've already got Toon Link, we've got Realistic Link, we've got uh, Young Link. This is an all new... Uh... Yeah, this is basically extra Toony Link, or like I said before, Claymation Link. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely looks very different. Yeah, but I am into it. I'm loving some of the uh, gameplay videos I'm seeing where people are kind of comparing the original to the new one. It just kind of makes you realize how much they're doing and, and how much love is going into this new port. Yeah, I mean, the graphics are totally different, but the gameplay looks very, very faithful to the original. Right. 
And that's important because the gameplay in the original was great. Yes, yes, it was. It was basically classic top-down 2D Zelda at its finest. But if there's one thing about the original I would have changed, it's the fact that you only really had two buttons for all your actions. Ah, oh, yeah, you're right. And that is something that I expect will be fixed in this version. You know, in that old game, you could assign whatever tools you wanted, you know, be it your sword or your shield or bombs or the hookshot or the bow to the A or B buttons. But you could only ever equip those two at a time. And if you wanted something different, you had to swap out one of the other items. But you know, in the video for this game, they showed Link with both his sword and his shield, and yet he was still able to jump, which required an item called the rock's feather before so presumably you know the sword and shield will have their own dedicated buttons and maybe now some of the commonly used items like the rock's feather or the pegasus boots will have dedicated buttons too so i'm expecting that to be streamlined quite significantly compared to the old game yeah that would be awesome to not have to like pause the game to switch weapons and all that <laughs> yeah yes indeed i mean you'll probably still have to do it for some items but i think that you will not be doing it nearly as much as you did in the original however aside from that everything looks very very true to form the world layout the level layouts the enemies that are in there even the text they showed seems very very true to the original and that can only be a good thing as far as i'm concerned yeah absolutely it's like we want you to touch the source material to fix the bad stuff but we don't want you to touch the good stuff so just keep it separate indeed indeed but yeah, I cannot wait for that one. They haven't quite given a release date for it yet, but I have to assume it'll be out uh, sometime late in the year, probably around fall or winter. Yeah, now what did you think of the uh, sort of anime-style intro? Do you think that'll be in the game? Oh, I certainly hope so. I mean, that was great. I mean, the original game did have a you know fully animated, pixel-based cutscene intro. Right. So uh, yeah, that'd be great if they uh, have a fully animated intro just like that one that they showed in the trailer. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I'd love that. Now, I was kind of thinking maybe they were going to hint at the Netflix uh, Zelda series, but, uh, <laughs> you know, this obviously is a better surprise. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, how long did it take you to figure out that this was Link's Awakening that they were showing there in the video? I mean, honestly, it wasn't until I saw the island that it really clicked. Yeah, because originally you know, they showed that and I could sort of see a Link-looking character. My first thought was, what are they doing? Is it some sort of Wind Waker follow-up? But it didn't take very long for it to click with me as Link's Awakening, because I have played that game a lot. I'm pretty familiar with it. So, yeah, I was very excited once I figured that out. That was uh, very cool. Great surprise. And I can't wait for the game. Yeah, and in hindsight, I had to think, this has got to be the game that they were saying everybody's going to love. Uh, it could be. It could be. Or it could be the other big announcement, which uh, I guess we should segue into right now, that being Super Mario Maker 2, which is coming out this June. Yeah, you're right. It absolutely could be. Yeah, that was another one that came out of nowhere. I mean, there have been rumors for years about having a Super Mario Maker game on Switch, but most of those rumors were it was going to be a port. And I am so happy that is not the case. I'm so glad it's a new game and not just another port of a game I already have on two other systems. So I am thrilled that we are finally getting a sequel to this title. I mean, it's like the original in many ways. You can make the terrain and place blocks and coins and power-ups and enemies, but it also has lots of new heavily requested features for the game. Yeah, one thing that stood out to me was that, you know, the Switch being less touchscreen based than the Wii U, you know, at least you don't have a stylus with the Switch. Right. So you'll notice that some of like the UI that's going on on the screen to allow you to like do quick button presses to select new items and stuff. I think that that was probably my biggest pet peeve with the original Mario Maker. And I have a feeling that they are going to be really good with the button controls, but that's just a guess. 
Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be something good to see them include in this version. It just seemed like a lot of picking and choosing on the fly, and, you know, hopefully you can do that easily with the analog sticks. Yeah, and the way that they have this new ring-based interface really seems like they are trying to incorporate something that makes it much better focused for controller-based interactions. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, right away, they made it very clear this was not the same old Mario Maker. They're like, here we go. Look at this. We got slopes. We got steep slopes. <laughs> we got gentle slopes. Look at all these slopes we got. This is not the same game you played on your Wii U, and that's great. And then on top of that, they showed off desert stages. They showed the Angry Sun from Super Mario Brothers 3. They showed these wind-generating enemies that I don't even recognize <laughs> what game they came from. They have these snake lifts, and you can you know create custom paths for them. There are stages that incorporate both land and water. You can use custom auto-scrolling directions and enemies that parachute out of the sky. Uh, Boom Boom was in there. I don't think he was in there before. But yeah, just all kinds of new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it really looks like they just went all out on everything that was Mario Maker. And, you know, obviously using the Switch to get even more juice and more functionality and more ideas out in the open. Yeah. And one of these new additions is something that really, I mean, when you think about it, does not make any sense at all. And that is that it now has the aesthetic and tile set of Super Mario 3D World which is so ironic because, you know, this is a 2D game. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But nonetheless, I mean, it lends itself to all kinds of new content. Now, the cat suit is in there. Yeah. The ant enemies are in there. The snake-like piranha plants, those transparent pipes that let you move around within a level, and those bonsai bills that shoot out of the screen, you know? All that stuff seems really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to get my hands on this one. I think more than anything... I just really enjoy playing like, you know, the user created levels. And mm -hmm. I'm also curious to see what kind of single player option there might be in this game as well. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of levels in there that are already built in for you to play. And, you know, as we have always said with the previous game, you have just so much user created content. There'll be like basically infinite levels to play. My one hope, though, is that it will have access to the Wii U servers and all of the previously created levels. I would really like if all that stuff isn't just sort of brushed aside, but you can still re-upload it or something without, you know, remaking that level from scratch within Mario Maker 2. Man, oh man, that would be a cool feature. Let's hope it's in there. Yes, yes indeed. Yeah, I mean, I never really got to play the original Mario Maker as much as I wanted to, just don't have the free time these days, but man, do I love what it offers, and I expect I'm going to have a very similar feeling with Super Mario Maker 2. Yeah, you and me both. I think for me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to be getting this one when it comes out in June. Absolutely. Yep, this one's on my list as well. And then, only about a month after that, we have Fire Emblem Three Houses, which hits on July 26th. And, you know, we already knew this game was coming, but this is the first time where Nintendo has really gone all out and given a ton of information about the game. Now, we kind of expected it was going to be delayed. It was originally slated for spring. I didn't really think that was going to happen. I kind of thought it was going to be pushed to be maybe a fall release. So the fact that it's only being pushed into July actually, I think, is a really good thing, you know? It actually ended up coming out sooner than I expected, personally. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, given that it is going to be July, there's no way that this is going to be like a huge focus of E3. I think that, you know, we can pretty much bank on E3 being about games that are coming post-July. Uh, yes, yes, I think that's very likely. I think that's likely indeed. But yeah, another thing that was surprising about this game wasn't just the release date, but finding out what these three houses are. I mean, from hearing the name, you know, my joke is it's about architecture, ha ha ha. <laughs> I'm not going to give that joke again, but I thought it was going to be about the houses of the noble families on this continent. But no, they are not 
that kind of noble houses. They are the houses in a school, kind of like Harry Potter, but with <laughs> soldiers instead of wizards. I was going to say, they went all Harry Potter on fire on them. Yeah, they totally did. And so we've got the school. It is the Garrig Mock Monastery's Officers Academy, and each house is based on a different faction from one of three different countries on the continent of Fodlan. But you get to play as a custom character mercenary turned instructor who gets to guide one of these three houses. So you are basically the Severus Snape to their Slytherin. <laughs> nice. Or the McGonagall to their Gryffindor, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, the three houses are the Black Eagles from the Adrestian Empire, led by Edelgard, who is a platinum-haired girl and uh, the next empress. The Blue Lions, representing the Holy Kingdom of Fargus, led by Prince Dimitri, and the Golden Deer of the Leicester Alliance, led by Claude, who is a swarthy nobleman. <laughs> You're a swarthy nobleman. Oh, thank you very much. So yeah, basically, you are controlling these groups of students, which, you know, it's kind of weird to think about, because it doesn't seem very Fire Emblem-y, does it? I mean, usually, we've got these huge wars and these big factions and, you know, giant dragons or something that's going to destroy the world. And here we've got, you know, school. It just doesn't seem quite as epic, right? <laughs> it doesn't, but, you know, I think it is kind of cool. It's like we've learned so much lore about Fire Emblem over time, and this is kind of maybe a chance to take a step back and focus on uh, something else. Well, it definitely allows them to do something very, very different. And because it is a military academy, it's not like you're studying math and English or something. You are <laughs> fighting bandits and suppressing rebellions and whatnot. But, you know, it really does have that school stuff in there. You create lesson plans that involve tutoring and group tasks and setting goals. And I don't really know what all that means, but you know, ultimately it lets you learn new skills and gain abilities. And, you know, you can master different weapons or master magic, or maybe you can wear certain equipment or change character classes. So it's really giving us all the fire emblem ingredients, but in a whole new different way. You know, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt here. I think it is a cool way for them to keep Fire Emblem fresh. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I do feel like there's probably more than meets the eye. I think that eventually it probably will turn all epic and stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, initially it just seems so different from the Fire Emblem we're used to. Yeah, it definitely ain't your daddy's Fire Emblem. Yeah, so I have to ask, of these three houses, which one do you think you will join? Which one will you pick first? Uh, I think I might go with the Blue Lions. Okay. My initial thought for me was the Black Eagles, but uh, I really kind of want to get more information on each faction before I make that decision. Yeah, I keep hearing people leaning towards the Black Eagles, I think, more than anyone. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I kind of like Lions, so... All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, there's also you know more of this game than we've talked about so far. You know, there's that green-haired mystery girl that apparently is appearing in your main character's mind. <laughs> there's the whole Church of Ceros that runs the monastery in the school. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they're secretly evil or something like that. And then there's the promise of the free-roaming exploration areas. And we know that you can form bonds between characters like in past games. So maybe there's also, you know, the dating and stuff like that. Probably not marriage between students, but who knows? <laughs> You never know. Yeah, hopefully they're not popping out babies. Yeah, that would definitely be a little weird, but uh, hey, it's Fire Emblem, so you never know. <laughs> you never know. Anyway, in addition to the regular version of the game, there is the Seasons of Warfare Special Edition also coming out on the same day as the regular version. That includes a steelbook case, a music CD, a 2020 desk calendar, and an art book. I'm not proud to admit it, but I've already pre-ordered that version. <laughs> I feel like you are proud to admit it. 
every time with Fight Realm, I say, I'm not going to waste my money on that special edition this time. And then I do it. I don't know why. <laughs> I know you're just going to go with digital, but uh, yeah, I'm still physical all the way. And if you're going to go physical, might as well get all the extra goods too. Right? <laughs> eh, maybe. Yeah, I just like the idea of always having Fire Emblem on my console. <laughs> well, that's understandable too. Another game coming out of this Nintendo Direct that looked really interesting was Astral Chain. We've talked about some of these games sort of coming out of nowhere, and this one definitely comes out of nowhere. It is a brand new release from the folks at Platinum Games, and it is coming not too far off on August 30th of this year. Yeah, that will be here before you know it. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, Pete, but I thought that it just looked amazing from the trailer. I mean, they're calling this a synergistic action game, and it just looks crazy. Like, they sort of imply you're controlling two characters at once, but I'm not sure if that's really the case. But, I mean, the trailer video shows these two futuristic cops, including one of them being a woman who seems to have lost her pants for some reason. I don't know what the deal is with that. (laughs) But they call down these robots, maybe they're mech suits, and they team up with them to do battle against these mutants and robots, and the characters are chained together, and the chain can also be used for attacks. You, like, wrap it around the bad guys, you catch them. Then there's also like a motorcycle you can ride and a robo dog that you can apparently ride the robo dog too. And you like scan the world to maybe spot bad guys who are hiding amongst the crowd. I don't know. I really don't know what to make of this game. They didn't really give out too many concrete details, but you know, platinum games almost always delivers great stuff. And I thought the aesthetic was great. It just looks really, really intriguing to me. Yeah, I definitely got like sort of a vibe of Bayonetta, which makes sense because, you know, they made that. But also, you know, just that frenetic pace of a game like that where, you know, you're just literally jumping in and out of battles. And Mm -hmm. yeah, as you said, you control two characters, it looks like. So it'd be interesting to see how that mechanic plays in because obviously, you know, that's something that's new. And like you said, I think that uh, this was a really big shocker and a welcome addition. Yeah, yeah, and so it seems to me like it's not only having this, you know, trademark Platinum Games action, but this whole world looks really, really interesting to me. Like, at first, I kind of thought it was maybe a new game from Monolith. You know, some of the stuff really reminded me of Xenoblade with the characters and the mech designs and the world. So the whole thing just looks really, really intriguing, and I cannot wait to see what this is all about. Hopefully it lives up to my expectations. Yeah, I definitely was impressed by just the random graphics of, you know, just walking around a world. Yeah. So hopefully that does pay off. Yeah, for sure. For sure. This one should be really, really cool. And another one that I'm looking forward to and that my waiting definitely seems to have paid off is the announcement of Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Wow, that's a mouthful. That was definitely a mouthful. I'm going to need to take a drink of milk right now. But uh, yes, it is finally confirmed to be coming to North America on the Switch, and it is everything that I've been expecting. It is colorful, cartoony, charming, goofy, turn-based Japanese role-playing. It's Everything I could have asked for. Yeah, and you get a frickin' horse. (laughs) Well, you know, that scares me a little bit, but I'll be able to deal. (laughs) Yeah, this one, you know, I think this obviously was a foregone conclusion, but it's just awesome that it's announced. It's out in the world. We've seen videos of it. We've seen pictures of it. We know something about it. It's going to be a great addition to the Switch library. Yeah, I would say most of that is true. I mean, a lot of it, we knew what to expect. We knew it's traditional turn-based role-playing, assembling a party, learning skills, exploring the kingdom, forging equipment, uh, you know, getting accused of being evil by the kingdom. (laughs) You know, all that good stuff spread out over like 100 hours of gameplay. But there were also things we didn't know about it. Like, I didn't know it would include both these gorgeous... 3D graphics and also the 2D 16-bit graphics that you know were kind of in the 3DS version. That's awesome. Yeah, it really is cool. 
and you'll be able to switch between the two graphical versions on the fly. And then on top of that, it's going to have uh, dual audio soundtracks. So that's both the dialogue. So it's going to have English and Japanese voices and then both original and orchestrated soundtracks. So it's like really going all out. Like whatever your tastes are, this game's going to have something for you. Yeah, it's really got all the fixings. Yeah, mini games, side quests, new side stories. You know, I did play this game last year at E3 on PS4. I really liked it. But I'm like, nope, I'm not going to get it. I'm going to wait for the Switch version. Not that we've had time to play it anyway. But I'm really <laughs> glad I made that decision because this version really looks to be what it says it is. And that is the definitive edition. That's right. And this game, it seems like it should be coming out this fall, right? Yep, that is correct. However, before that, there is even more Dragon Quest goodness. Coming out in the summer, July 12th to be exact, we're getting Dragon Quest Builders 2, which, again, we pretty much knew was coming, but this is the first time Nintendo themselves has fessed up to announce the game is on the way. Yeah, and I have to admit, I might be more excited about this game than Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh-huh. Well, I know you were quite a fan of the first one, so I can see where you're coming from there. Yeah, I mean, it really just looks like more of the same, but... <laughs> well, in a lot of ways. I mean, you are once again rebuilding the world, rebuilding the village, and gathering materials and forging items. But it sounds like there are a few notable new additions, such as local or online co-op for up to four players. That's right. And then uh, some other cool additions, like being able to swim and being able to fly. And yep. as you mentioned, some of that co-op stuff uh, really seems like cool additions to the game. Yeah, you can dash. There's a first-person mode as well. So, yeah, it's really taking that foundation of the original and just, ahem, building upon it. Aha, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, you like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can dig it. Indeed. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to be on my must-play list, but I know a lot of people like it. And, again, it is just great to see that uh, Nintendo is going to be publishing that here in North America for sure. Yeah, and we won't have to wait too much longer. It's only about five short months away. Indeed, indeed. Now, Chris, I think you're leaving off a critical game that got announced. Uh, oh, am I? What would that be? Well, and it might be based off your favorite amiibo. Hmm. I'll give you a hint. It's got six sides and legs. Oh, no, I have not forgotten at all, Pete. You are, no doubt, referring to uh, QB, the titular star of Box Boy and Box Girl. <laughs> That's right. Now, but isn't QB the name of the tall rectangular one that's in there? Uh, that is Cutie. Cutie ah. is a tall rectangular one. QB, Q-B-B-Y, is the, uh, the small, regular, box-shaped box boy that, yes, indeed, does have an amiibo that was never released in North America. So I'm kind of hoping this will have some amiibo functionality and maybe we'll finally get him released over here. But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. What's important is that, yes, indeed... <laughs> Box Boy is back. You know, we had that third game on 3DS. It was called Bye Bye Box Boy. Yep. But that title, very, very premature (laughs) indeed. Box Boy is back, and now he has Box Girl with him for two-player co-op tandem puzzle-solving action. You could almost say he's better than ever. Possibly. Very possibly. Certainly bigger than ever. The game has uh, 270 stages. So, yeah, that's going to have a lot of content, a lot of puzzle-solving, a lot of platforming. And, I mean, I ended up really liking that series on 3DS, so this is pretty darn cool to see, I would say. Yeah, and uh, the cool thing about this one, to me, is the co-op ability. It kind of, to me, feels like Snipper Clips Part 2 or something. Yes, yes, it reminded me of that as well. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, anyone who's looking for a co-op game to play uh, with a partner and, you know, the Switch lends itself so well because you got the two controllers already. I think this one makes a lot of sense for a lot of people who are looking for that type of game. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, I don't think they've given a price for this, but you have to believe it's probably going to be some sort of budget release, probably $20 or less, I would hope. Yep. But uh, yeah, I do think it is going to let itself really well to co-op, and I'm hoping it will also have a way to alternate back and forth between characters so you could play through those levels solo if you want. I mean, I don't know, maybe it won't lend itself to that, but uh, it would be a nice inclusion a la Snipperclips. Yeah, it looks like at least you'll be able to play those levels as cutie, uh, which are single-player looks like. Yeah, I mean, it does have a lot of single-player content as well. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be something for everybody, I have no doubt. <laughs> and again, this one, you know, you're not going to have too long to wait. It comes out in about two months on April 26th, and I'll definitely be there. Man, we've got a lot of stuff to play. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. I mean, I would say that those were probably the biggest announcements out of the Nintendo Direct, but there's still lots and lots more to cover. Like, for example, we found out that Deltarune Chapter 1 is coming out on Switch very, very soon. It hits on February 28th. That's just next week. And it's a free download. Yeah, and of course, this one is... Is it the prequel or sequel to Undertale? <laughs> I don't know exactly, but it does remind me that I absolutely need to finish Undertale before I start this one. But uh, yeah, this one is arriving on Switch much sooner than I would have expected. But uh, yeah, it's great news. Yeah, totally. And speaking of awesome role-playing games that are coming out on Switch, the deluge of Final Fantasy has begun. <laughs> Final Fantasy IX, they released basically simultaneously with the Direct. It is already out now. And then they gave the word that Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon hits on March 20th, and the long-awaited Final Fantasy VII finally hits a Nintendo system on March 26th. Yeah, we're being flooded with Final Fantasy games now. Yes, yes we are. I mean, I think that it's in April when we get uh, Final Fantasy X, X, II, and twelve. So, yeah, a lot of Final Fantasy in the coming months. Makes them even more ironic, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Now, I did pick up Final Fantasy IX as soon as it went on sale. Oh, nice, nice. I really wanted to, but I heard that a lot of the flaws from the PlayStation 4 version have not been corrected. Those being some problems with the music and not having full analog control and a couple of other things. Have you played it much yet? It's true. I read the same things. I have played it a tiny bit. I got to say, though, I more than anything just wanted to send a message to Nintendo and Square and be like, hey, Nintendo fans want Final Fantasy on Nintendo systems. Well, I agree with that. But right now, I think my message is I want it, but I want it to be done right. So I'm kind of hoping they'll patch it. If they do that, I will absolutely buy it. But right now, I don't know. I'm kind of holding out. I'm not liking what I'm hearing about those uh, glaring problems that have not yet been fixed. Yeah, I can overlook that because, uh, well, for one, I've never played Final Fantasy IX before, so I'm in for a treat. Yes, yes you are. Despite the flaws, I'm sure you will love it. But that's not all. No, no it's not. Uh, there was also an update on Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which is the Castlevania successor by Koji Igarashi. That has now been confirmed as a summer release. We knew it was coming sometime this year. But uh, yeah, it's hitting in the summer, and you know I love those Castlevania games that Iga made, so I cannot wait for that. That one's looking great. Yeah, it's really looking good. Yeah, I backed that on the Kickstarter, so uh, I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time, that's for sure. And I'm very happy that it looks like it's shaping up very well. Yeah, definitely be able to scratch that Castlevania itch. Yeah, for sure. Then... Beyond that, Nintendo announced that Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, the Black Order, well, they have confirmed it has online multiplayer capabilities, and they're saying it's coming out this summer. 
So that's good to see. They also confirmed that Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered is on the way. We talked about that last week, and then we found it is hitting on May 21st. Yeah, both of these look really solid and totally great additions to the Switch lineup. I mean, I'm almost thinking about picking both of these up. Yeah, I'm certainly intrigued myself. Then over from Exceed, we found out that Rune Factory 4 Special is on the way. That is a port of a 3DS game, and it kind of looks like a port of a 3DS <laughs> game, which you know, isn't wonderful. But I've heard really, really good things about the game. You know, it's basically Harvest Moon with, you know, dungeon-based combat mixed in. So uh, that's certainly cool. And then we know that Rune Factory 5 is also coming as well. I mean, that was announced, I think, a long time ago. But it's good to see that it is indeed on the way and headed to Switch. And then from there, there's Okanaki, which is another RPG factory title. And in this game, you travel between the worlds of the living and the dead. There was this Disney Tsum Tsum Festival announcement from Bandai Namco. And honestly, I couldn't care less about that. <laughs> uh, dead by Daylight, Grid Autosport, Hellblade, Suna's Sacrifice. You know, they touched on Mortal Kombat 11. And then we have uh, Unravel 2, which you know, I heard really good things about the first Unravel. So that's good to see as well. But yeah, just tons of stuff on the way to Switch. You were spoiled for choice by the amount of content. Yes. And then there's even these updates to games that we already have access to. Like, we found out that there is this update to Captain Toad Treasure Tracker on Switch. Yeah, see, now this, for me, makes this game a must-buy. Yeah, yeah, I've been holding out. I hadn't picked it up on Switch yet. I already have it on my Wii U, so I've been kind of not worried about the switch one but now they have this free update with two-player co-op and that's available right now <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool and then on top of that there is paid dlc with five new stages and 18 new challenges coming on march 14th that includes a new pirate ship stage this food-based stage and then a level called the shifty shrine <laughs> plus there are new objectives in some of the existing levels and you can get all that stuff for just six bucks yeah, I mean, to me, this is like makes a lot of sense because if you own the Wii U version, there's not a lot of reason to buy the Switch version. Well, now there, well, there were those new Odyssey-based levels, and so that already had me on the fence. But I feel like this stuff, you know, is absolutely pushing me over onto the side of making this a must-buy. So I'm with you there, absolutely. Yeah, totally. And, I, you know, it's cool to see them um, sort of update these old ports and give more content that makes it worth the purchase. Yeah, totally, totally. But no, we are not stopping there. There is also new stuff coming for Starlink. There are new Star Fox missions, in fact, which is arguably the best part about Starlink. Yeah, absolutely. This had me uh, pretty impressed. I really had figured they just probably left this to die. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that is not the case at all. But you will now be able to play as all members of Team Star Fox, as Falco, Slippy, and Peppy. And each one of them has unique abilities, such as Falco's precision strike skill that makes enemies more vulnerable to smart bombs there are brand new missions that will pit you against pigma leon and andrew from star wolf's team and you'll be able to use any of those new characters to replay fox's missions from the main game so yeah if you are a star fox fan you know again it's just you know an embarrassment of riches man i can't wait to play me some slippy <laughs> yes indeed playable slippy no uncle grippy though maybe they're saving that for later you know i don't know <laughs> it's possible but yeah they're also going to be these races they're going to be faction missions and uh, you know this is all a free update you are not having to pay for any of this stuff so just brand new Star Fox content for anyone who already owns or has yet to buy the game it's great yeah it's kind of funny because you figure at this point they're not selling too many more copies of this game but maybe the Switch version continues to sell really well 
Well, I just picked it up recently, and I haven't really had a chance to sit down and play it much yet, but, you know, this makes me all the more eager to dig into this game. This new stuff is coming out in April, and it sounds fantastic. Yeah, definitely a reason for me to uh, turn the game back on and give it another shot. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And then... There was, unsurprisingly, a small little update about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. They have promised that version 3.0 will be coming out before the end of April. Uh, Joker will be joining at that time, but they haven't really said anything else about what's going to be included. Last time, we got co-op gameplay for the spirit battles, but you know, what's going to be in this one? We don't really know yet. No, we don't. However, they did confirm a lot about the upcoming Amiibo. Amiibo! That's right, they have shown off the Simon Belmont Amiibo for the first time, <laughs> alongside Snake and the Pokemon Trainer, also Ivysaur and Squirtle, and all of those are coming out in 2019. Obviously, I could not be more thrilled, especially finally seeing Simon. That's one I've wanted, you know, ever since he was announced for the game, so that's great. Now you can finally have Mega Man, Simon, Belmont, and uh, Pac-Man all chilling on your counter. Uh, yep, and you, know, you throw in Pit, and you've got you know basically the whole uh, power team from Captain N. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, we still need Game Boy, though. <laughs> yes, and Kevin Keane, of course. <laughs> and even though this wasn't discussed on the Direct, shortly after, Nintendo announced that the Amiibo of Daisy, Ken, and Young Link are hitting on April 12th. And although there was no specific mention of the Isabel or Pichu Amiibo, they are confirmed for July in Japan. So... Yeah, for me and my Amiibo addiction, Nintendo is totally feeding it. <laughs> you really can't get enough, can you? I can't. I'm just going to keep on buying them until I'm homeless and in a gutter somewhere. Your Amiibo thirst will never be quenched. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, Chris, there is one more thing that kind of came out of this Direct about an existing game. Oh, that's right. Pokemon, right? That's right. They now have a demo for Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit late considering the game came out back in November or so, but, you know, I guess if you haven't given it a spin yet, that's all good. Well, and that's exactly what I did. I uh, finally got my mitts on this game. Ah, okay. Yeah, I played a few hours of it back when it came out, but uh, I didn't get to hear your thoughts. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I wanted to report was that uh, I didn't hate it. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I actually sort of enjoyed it. Hmm, okay. Well, the thing is, is that I like the way that the gameplay works with uh, catching Pokemon. I think it really divides the catching Pokemon versus the battling trainers. And the whole catching Pokemon, being able to see them and kind of avoid them when you don't want to encounter them and specifically like run around like oh i saw a jigglypuff for three seconds and now it's gone and now i'm gonna walk around this area until i see one again i think it adds sort of a little bit of an element that was maybe missing from the original anyways i'm not gonna go too much more into detail but i did like what i was playing well i've already talked about it extensively you know, i'm not a huge fan of uh, spending so much time just catching and not doing the fighting but i guess to each their own i suppose and now this demo is out there for anybody to try it out and make their own judgment. My biggest gripe is that I can't use my Pro Controller. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly an issue too. All right, did we do it? Uh, yes, I believe we have. That pretty much covers everything from this most recent Nintendo Direct. And with that said, I think it's pretty much time to wrap up this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, not so fast there, buddy. Oh, what's going on? Uh, I think you're doing a dramatic reading. Oh, that's right. I am. <laughs> and this week, it is from the eShop description of the Switch title, 2019 Astrology and Horoscopes Premium. Mm -hmm. 
2019 Astrology and Horoscopes Premium is the most luxury astrology, horoscope, and numerology application. <laughs> Learn your love horoscope in style. Get detailed daily predictions of tomorrow and yesterday based on biorhythms. <laughs> we use professional astrologers and give you the best results. Personal astrologer, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces, Scorpio. <laughs> Zodiac matchmaking matchmaker that predicts the compatibility of two signs accurately. What my future? <laughs> what about my boyfriend? Answer all your questions with our yearly horoscope. Get details and general information about Zodiac signs like about love, health, likes, dislikes, problem solutions, planet ruling, symbol, <laughs> color, star stone, and famous people. Detailed numerology is also included. Life path, birthday, challenge numbers, pinnacle cycles, period cycles, and personal year cycle. Birth information, Chinese sign, your tree, and birth color. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't even know what I was saying there. That just felt like random words <laughs> strung together. At a certain point, yeah. You definitely wonder, are there like a couple commas mixing in there? Or? Yeah, I don't know. I just like the way you're just going along and so you're talking about planet ruling. I mean, I don't know anything <laughs> about astrology and horoscopes, but... Is that for is that for like literally ruling the planet? I don't know. I'm not sure. It could be. But but I like how it's planet ruling, not earth ruling. It could be any planet, really. That's right. Who knows what planet you're going to rule? Right. And the what my future? That's a good one too. <laughs> also, I don't know why Scorpio was listed twice in there. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. make any sense. It's really random. It also makes me laugh that they just list out all the signs like, you know, they don't have them all. <laughs> It feels like they were just trying to max out the number of characters or something. But yeah, this is not just some uh, generic crappy astrology and horoscope. This is the premium version. Nine bucks on the eShop. Yep. Are you going to pick this one up? I can't tell you. You'll just have to get it yourself and use it to predict if I will get it as well. <laughs> Maybe I will. And the answer is no. Okay, that does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com. You can follow us at powerprospod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, The Hoff, on Twitter at Chris the Hoff, and you can find Pete at Burly Red Yeti. You can email us at powerprospod at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, Pete Mashad. What, my future? And our pet robo dog, Rush. <laughs> we will see you next time.